Hey, thanks for joining us on the No Limits Church podcast. Here at No Limits, we are on a mission to make a difference in the lives of others. We want to help people know God, find freedom, and discover purpose. It's a journey, and we're all walking it together. So wherever you're listening from, we pray that you are encouraged and empowered by this week's message. Well, welcome to No Limits, y'all. The best place to be on a Sunday morning. Give your neighbor a high five and say you made a good choice. If you're joining us online or you're listening to this later, I just want to say, hey, really glad that you're with us. Today, we're continuing a series that we're calling God of Miracles. It's time we start seeing signs and wonders on the regular. He's always been willing to perform the miracle. We've just been getting in the way. So we're learning how to cooperate with him during this series. But for those of you who don't know me, my name's Cade, and I'm the lead pastor here alongside my wife, Beth, who you saw up here singing this morning. And at No Limits, we're on a mission of making a difference in the lives of others. We want to help you know God, find freedom, and discover your purpose. In other words, we want to help you live the amazing, incredible, abundant life that God planned for you before you were even born. Amen. That's for you. The goal we're reaching for is found in Ephesians 3.20, which says that all glory to God because he's able through his mighty power working in us to accomplish infinitely more than we could ask or think. He wants to blow our minds with what he can accomplish through us. So that's what we're after. That's why we're called No Limits Church. So go ahead and look at your neighbor and ask them, have you taken the limits off yet? If not, it's about time. It's about time. All right, y'all. God of miracles. Amen. God of miracles. Many people believe that God withholds miracles. They think he only dishes them out when he wants to, as he wants to, or when you've done everything perfectly. And it's actually this kind of stinking thinking that keeps God from working miracles because we just get in the way. The miracle already exists. He promised you healing. He promised you protection. He promised you provision. If you're not seeing these things in your life, then I can tell you it's not God. It's you. Through your own doubt and your unbelief, you're keeping what God has for you from getting to you. So step one into seeing a miracle is what? You got to stop blaming God. You got to stop saying that it's his, that he gave you the sickness and all this nonsense. You got to stop that and you got to realize this is your fault. (laughs) Isn't that good news for you today? Now, the core scripture for this series is found in Mark chapter 11. In this chapter, Jesus gives us four things that we need to do to see miracles. We've been reading this every week. Let's read it again. Then Jesus said to the disciples, have faith in God. So there's something for you. Have faith in God. I tell you the truth. You can say to this mountain. So then you got to speak your faith. May you be lifted up and thrown into the sea and it'll happen. But you must really believe it'll happen and have no doubt in your heart. You got to get rid of the doubt. And I tell you, you can pray for anything. And if you believe that you've received it, it'll be yours. What? Has anybody just kind of casually read over that? Do you realize what it's saying? I tell you, you can pray for anything. And if you believe that you received it, it'll be yours. Notice that you got to believe you received it before it's yours. Remember that gap that we talk about between when you release your faith and you actually see the results of it? Well, there it is. But when you're praying, first forgive anyone you're holding a grudge against so that your Father in heaven will forgive your sins too. Forgive others. The best part of that, right? And it's funny that that's mentioned at the end because it says first forgive. So that's actually something you have to do first. So don't miss that. So in this short lesson from Jesus, he gives us those four things. Go ahead and write these down in your message notes again. Have faith in God, speak your faith, remove the doubt, and forgive others. And in the first week of this series, we talked about faith. And we found out that faith is really simple to understand. You guys remember faith is confidence in what? And Yeah. 
and in God's word. Faith is confidence in God's word. And the way we build this confidence is how? By hearing the word of God how many times? Again and again and again and again and again and again and again. And faith is why we praise God, even when we don't feel like it. Anybody had to extend their faith this morning and praise God, even though you didn't feel like it? Although this is the daylight savings time that everybody should have a little bit more energy, actually, because you got an extra hour. But you might be hungry, because normally you'd be eating lunch about now. But faith is why we give, even when it's inconvenient. Faith is why we trust God, even when we don't understand. Faith, it's what enables you to stay at peace in that gap between when you release your faith and you see the results of it. Everybody say, in the gap. In the gap, I'm going to choose joy. In the gap, I'm going to choose peace. In the gap, I'm going to stand, and I'm not going to waver because God's word is truth, and it will come to pass, right? Just like you know, when you press that digital button on Amazon, by now, that package is going to show up at your door two days later. Please, let's not have more faith in Amazon than we have in the word of God, all right? In part two, Tim and Darla brought us a powerful message about speaking our faith, and they made a really good point. In order to speak your faith, you have to have the word of God planted deep down on the inside of you. Because most of us start off the speaking thing. We hear it, we're like, okay, I got to speak the word of God. So I'm just going to speak these things. And I'm not really sure that I believe them yet, but I hope that they're true. So I'm just going to start saying them out loud. And I think that's how it starts for all of us. And that's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. It'll probably get you to where you need to go. But for you to see the results of what you're speaking, you really have to believe it. You really have to believe it. And this unwavering belief only comes from time with God. You don't get it any other way. The word of God, it cannot grow deep roots in your life unless you water it. The seed gets planted, but you got to water it. And the best time to water it is in the morning. Just like Jesus did, he spent time with God the first thing every morning. Jesus is our example. And last week we talked about removing the doubt. We tend to step out in faith and believe God for a miracle and then immediately get overcome with doubt. We think of the last time that we prayed and it didn't work or something like that, or we wonder if healing is even God's will. Does God even want to do this? And doubt is the biggest culprit to why we don't see the miracles of God in our lives. Did you guys notice that last week? Such a good message. God always answers our prayer. Always. But often we negate our own prayer with doubt. We release our faith in, in prayer. I mean, we're all good at releasing it at first. And then we're all really good at also releasing our doubt right after and negating our prayer. So that's what we've got to stop doing. And there's three types of doubt. And the first one's caused by ignorance. Sometimes you doubt God simply because you don't know something about God. And the second one was wrong teaching. Maybe somebody taught you that God gave you sickness to teach you something. That's really common. And it's taught a lot. Or maybe somebody taught you that God gets glory when you live poor and you don't have enough to eat. Or some other kind of lie. And the first two types of doubt, ignorance and wrong teaching, they're both overcome by the word of God. Ignorance is easier to overcome than wrong teaching, but both of them can be overcome with the word of God. You just have to dig in. I didn't say just read your verse of the day. I said you got to dig in. Somebody say you got to dig in. You got to dig All right, and then the third type of doubt is caused by circumstances. So if you pray for somebody to be healed and then they die, you're probably going to think, well, this doesn't work. Or if you've been sick for a long time, maybe years, you're going to wonder, does God really want me to be healed? And there's a story in Matthew 17 that shows us how to overcome this doubt, and it's through none other than prayer and fasting. The reason it works like this is because prayer moves you closer to God and away from your circumstances. And fasting reminds you that your body doesn't get the last word. God does. It doesn't get to control you. God's word 
is truth. It prevails over sickness. So when that symptom shows up again in your body, you say, oh no, you don't get the last word, body. God's word is truth. Amen. So notice how all this stuff so far is stuff we already know. I mean, we already know that we should be hearing the word of God every day. You've probably heard that before. We already know that we should be praying regularly. Fasting, well, we know about that, but we like to ignore it. To see the promises of God come alive in your life, it's really simple. You spend time with God instead of spending time with the world. Instead of watching reality TV, maybe turn on a message that's going to feed your spirit. Instead of opening Facebook, you open your Bible. And I mean, and this is not religious stuff. This is not stuff that's like going to put you under bondage or anything like that. This is just stuff that we do because we want to be closer to God. It's got to come out of that heart. Like, I want to get close to God. I want to live in his promises. And there's some things that you have to do to cooperate with that. He's going to still love you if you never do any of that. He'll still love you. But this is easy stuff, y'all. We just have to do it. You're not earning anything. It's just how we get closer to God. And the devil knows this is simple for us. And that's why he works so hard to distract us. The question is, are you going to resist the devil? You ever heard that scripture? Resist the devil. Are you going to give in to the distractions? Because when you give in to the distractions, you're basically saying, I just want to live my life without the promises of God. Because you can't do both. You either give in to the distractions or you live over here, you ignore the distractions, and you live in the promises of God. Your choice. You guys get to make that choice. Isn't that great? That's not a very fun discussion. I can tell by the look on your face. So let's move on to the message for today. We talked about faith. We talked about speaking our faith, and we talked about removing the doubt. Now it's time to talk about forgiving others. That is so much better than what we just talked about, isn't it? But just hang with me. You're going to get some out of this message that's going to help you today. It really is. Now, when it comes to the lack of seeing miracles and seeing God's promises in our life, the main culprit is doubt, like we talked about last week, but it's not the only culprit. Sometimes it's unforgiveness that's getting in the way. So over and over in the Bible, you'll find that forgiveness is a big deal to God. It's a big deal to him. That's why he sent his one and only son, Jesus, to die for you so that you could be forgiven. That was for you. But he also wants you to live in a constant state of forgiveness towards others. A few months ago, we had a whole series about choosing joy. Anybody remember that? And since then, you probably realized how many opportunities you have to practice that message. Like, you get an opportunity every day (laughs) to choose joy. And we have just about as many opportunities in our life to choose forgiveness. Because people are just mean. Like, they'll give you weird looks. They'll gossip about you. They'll assume things about you that aren't even true. Even your spouse will do this. We just have to... (laughs) You know, most of the time... (laughs) We're able to forgive within a few hours or a few days, but sometimes it takes us a long time to forgive. So let's think through this progression that gets us to this place of long-term unforgiveness, because this is the kind of stuff that Jesus was talking about. He said, forgive anyone you have a grudge against. He's talking about long-time unforgiveness. So here's how it all starts. This is what you need to write down in your message notes. The first thing is distance. Like in every conflict, whether it's between you and a friend or you and a church you used to go to or you and the Democratic Party or you and the Republican Party, it begins with something that creates distance. 
But not all distance is created by conflict. Sometimes it's caused by neglect. Like you just don't spend time in the relationship. But this is where it all starts. Something creates distance. And so you shut the other person out. And at this time, it's still calm. Nobody's thrown fists yet. Nobody's thrown fits yet. You just separate yourselves from each other. But the separation, it hurts, right? And so here's what you do next. You build some walls to protect yourself. Some of you ladies build more than a wall. You build a castle with a moat around it, and you fill the moat with crocodiles, and the drawbridge is always up. Nobody's getting in. So we build these walls to keep bad people out. The problem is they also keep good people out. And if they're intense enough, they keep God out. You become so protective of your heart and your emotions that nobody can get in not even God. And if we don't deal with it at this point, here's what happens next. Escalation. The problem grows. It becomes bigger than it really is. It's no longer about what he said to you yesterday. It's about everything that he's done wrong for the past 20 years, right? This is the part of the process that your tongue also usually gets out of control. You start saying things that you wouldn't normally say, and you start looking for every opportunity that you can slay them with your words. And at this point, it becomes most dangerous because this is when the enemy gets involved on this next thing. He brings in the lies. You start to believe lies. You believe they meant to hurt you. You think that he doesn't love you anymore because of the distance that's been created. And you start to paint this picture of the other person that's full of lies. And this happens all the time. Like you think the pastor is out to get your money because he's encouraging you to give. There's an example. Or you think that your spouse is cheating on you because they didn't want to have sex last night. Or you think that you're going to get fired because your boss corrected you. Or you think that your family is going to go hungry because you just got laid off from your job. On and on and on. The enemy feeds us these lies and we just latch on to them like ultimate truth. Like I found the truth, right? And we don't let them go and we don't even let the other person tell us the truth. Like they're trying to explain themselves and we're like, you're just lying to me because you're trying to make me feel better. You're trying to, you know, you won't believe it. And you know what? Being accused of things that you didn't do will make even the most forgiving person hostile in this situation. There's nothing more aggravating than somebody believing a lie that they made up in their head more than they believe the truth that you're trying to tell them. And at this point, you find yourself on the last stage of conflict, and this is a place that many people struggle to escape, and that's hostility. And the saddest part about this is, once you get to this point, you don't even remember how the conflict originally started. How did this whole thing start? The only reason you got here is because you decided to believe the lies that the enemy planted in your mind. And usually you won't listen to anyone else because people come in and they try to help you see the truth. And you're like, you just don't know the full situation. You don't know how bad they hurt me. Yeah, but I'm trying to tell you the truth because I'm not caught up in the emotion like you are. And so I can see the truth. I'm just trying to help you, but you won't listen to them because you're hostile. And when you get to a place of hostility, it's actually no longer about you and the other person. It's just about you. You've allowed yourself to get junked up. You're in a mess. And you you don't need them to apologize to move past this. You need God to come in and help you get cleaned up from the inside out. It doesn't matter who started it. The only thing you're responsible for is you. Can you see now how forgiveness is a requirement to see miracles? When you're in a place of unforgiveness, there is no way that you're walking by faith because you've given the devil too much control in your life. And the reason I wanted to take you through this progression of unforgiveness is because you actually went through the same progression leading up to your relationship with Jesus. Let me show it to you in scripture. 
In Ephesians 2.12, it says, In those days you were living apart from Christ. You lived in the world without God and without hope. Distance. Distance from God. It's It's where it all started. But now you've been united with Christ Jesus. Once you were far away from God, but now you've been brought near to him through the blood of Christ. So let me get this straight. We were the ones who caused the offense. We were the ones who separated ourselves from God. And then Jesus, the one who did no wrong, is the one that initiated reconciliation. We caused the problem. Jesus was completely innocent, yet Jesus was the one that brought us back close to God. Soak on that for a minute. That's not fair. We don't deserve that. Yet Jesus did it anyway. We'll come back to that here in a little bit. But for Christ himself has brought peace to us. In his own body on the cross, he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. You built the wall. You escalated hostility towards God through your own behaviors. You believed lie upon lie. You thought that God was punishing you. You thought that he didn't love you. You thought it was all his fault. You thought he was the one killing people by car wrecks and all that kind of stuff. You thought it was God. And what did Jesus do? We're talking about the innocent one who did nothing wrong. What did he do? He broke down the wall of hostility so that you could be free. And he restored your relationship with God. Jesus is our example of forgiveness. We're to forgive everyone especially those that don't deserve it. Let me show you. Ephesians 4.31, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. So this is our assignment, y'all. Get rid of it. Get rid of unforgiveness and everything that comes along with it. And don't just do that, but be kind to each other. I mean, sometimes we like to think, you know, all I got to do is forgive them and never talk to them again. Well, you're wrong. Because you got to forgive them and you got to be kind to them if you want to follow the scripture. And I know it seems impossible, right? I can't do that. And it is impossible without faith, without Jesus. And that's why this verse goes on to say, and that's why I highlighted just as Christ has forgiven you. In Jesus Christ is where you obtain the power to forgive because you can't do it on your own. Let me put it to you this way. You will not succeed in forgiving others until you fully realize the forgiveness that you have in Christ. So let me make this practical for you. There's three simple steps that you need to take in order to get to a place of forgiveness. And it all starts with receiving God's forgiveness. And you're probably thinking right now, yeah, 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 we've heard this. What's the next one? I need to know the next one. But can I propose to you that many Christians know about God's forgiveness, but they've yet to receive God's forgiveness? And the reason I know this is because I hear from people all the time who think that they don't deserve the promises of God because of what they've done in the past. Or they think that they deserve the sickness or the hardship that they're dealing with because of what they've done in the past. But when you truly receive God's forgiveness, you don't think that way anymore. You don't give any power to your past because, well, Jesus already wiped that out. Why would I give power to it? Why would I continue to think about it? And when I mess up again, Jesus already provided forgiveness for that too. So my job is simply to receive forgiveness, turn back towards God, and keep moving forward. No regrets. God doesn't want you to waste time in regret. You don't have to pay for what you've done wrong. Jesus already did that. 
You don't have to pay for what you're going to do wrong. You just have to turn back towards God. That's what the word repent means. Turn away from your sin and back towards God. It's simple. It's simple. And now that I've explained it, I want to ask you, have you really received God's forgiveness? Because he's holding it out. It's a gift. And all you got to do is reach out and receive it and say yes. And the apostle Paul, he understood this. Like this is a guy who hated Christians so much that he had him killed. And this was his mission in life. Like, I want to have as many Christians killed as I can before I die until Jesus got a hold of him. And if I were Paul, I think I would have a hard time receiving this forgiveness after doing that. I mean, that's pretty severe. But Paul, he didn't even waste time in regret because he understood and he received the full gift of forgiveness. Take a look at what he said in 1 Timothy 1.15. This is a trustworthy saying and everybody should accept it. Yeah? Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, and I am the worst of them all. There's hope for you. But God had mercy on me so that Christ Jesus could use me as a prime example of his great patience with even the worst sinners. Then the others would realize that they too can believe in him and receive eternal life. Like if God can fully forgive Paul for executing Christians, surely he can forgive you for what you've done. And God is eager for you to receive his forgiveness. He is so eager. He just wants you to have it. He's like, he's shoving it in your face. Please, please take it. Would you just receive it? And let me show it to you in God's own words. Here's exactly what he says. He says, come now, now, let's settle this. Right now, says the Lord, though your sins are like scarlet, I will make them as white as snow. He says, come now, let's settle this once and for all. Isn't that good stuff? So quit trying to earn it. Quit trying to do enough right things to undo the wrong things that you've done. Just receive the forgiveness that God's given for you and rest in that forgiveness. So this is the first reason that many people, for, like uh, they struggle to forgive others is because they haven't really received God's forgiveness. Like if you spend your entire life trying to earn God's forgiveness, you're going to expect everyone else to have to earn your forgiveness. Did you hear that? If you spend your entire life trying to earn God's forgiveness, you're going to expect everyone else to have to earn your forgiveness. But if you receive the gift of forgiveness from God, you'll be able to offer that same gift to others. So this isn't the end of my message, but I do want to just take a moment right here. I want you to just close your eyes. and I want you to receive God's forgiveness. If that's a gift that you have yet to receive, just reach out and say, yes, Lord, I receive your forgiveness. No more regret no more shame. I am forgiven. Thank you, Lord. All right, so now that we've received God's forgiveness, we're ready for what's next. Freely give (laughs) what you've received. So when you fully receive forgiveness from God, even though you didn't deserve it, by the way, you didn't deserve it, Now you have the capacity to forgive others when they don't deserve it. God doesn't expect you to forgive on your own. He set the example for you, and then he gave you the gift of forgiveness. And within that gift is the ability to forgive others. That's why Jesus gives us this command in Matthew 10, 8. He says, heal the sick, raise the dead, cure those with leprosy, and cast out demons. Give as freely as you have received. God does not expect us to give anything that we have not received from him already. 
He gives you a forgiveness freely, so now you can give forgiveness freely to others. And since we're in a series about miracles, I can't pass over what was just said here. He gives you a healing freely. Did you all notice that? It's within that verse. Freely, he gives you healing. Give as freely as you have received healing and raising the dead and curing with leprosy. He gave you all that freely so that you could give it freely to others. So here's the deal. We're not going to be able to heal the sick until we have received the gift of healing ourselves you got to receive it. And receiving healing from God is just have faith in God, speak your faith, remove the doubt, and just walk in forgiveness. It's going to be so easy for you. So healing is for you. It is God's gift to you. He's holding it out, and just like forgiveness, healing, he's just holding it out, waiting for you to take it. Do you want it or do you not? God freely gives us healing. He freely gives us forgiveness. He freely provides for all of our needs. He does all of that freely, and he does this because he loves you. It all comes out of a motivation of love, and he also loves everybody around you, and that's why we have an assignment in this, and it's said in 2 Corinthians 5.18, and all this is a gift from God, all of that, who brought us back from himself through Christ, and God has given us the task of reconciling people to him. It's our task. It's our mission to give to others what God has given to us. Some of, some of y'all think it's selfish to receive healing, You think it's selfish to receive abundant provision. You think it's selfish to receive forgiveness from God because you don't deserve it. But it's selfish not to receive those things. Because if you don't receive these precious gifts, then you're not going to be able to give them to others. That's selfish. If you haven't been receiving these gifts, you're selfish. If you truly love others, if you truly want to help others, then you receive the promises of God in their fullness. And you say, yes, I'm going to receive all of that so that I can freely give it to others. And for some of you, that, that just changed, that just shifted your thinking right there. It's like, hmm, well, you can thank God for that. That was him, but grab a hold of it and don't let it go. Like God's promises are for you and you're doing yourself and you're doing everyone else a favor when you just receive them. Those are mine. So receive his forgiveness in its entirety so that you can freely forgive others. And once you get to this point, here's what you do next. You forgive first. Aren't you thankful that Jesus didn't wait for us to apologize before he went to the cross? Because we'd still be waiting. We'd still be waiting, but that's not what happened. In Romans 5, 8, it says, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. God forgave us when we didn't even ask for it. When we had no intention of changing, Jesus gave up his life to save ours. And he did this to restore your relationship with God. And he also did it as an example. If we're going to forgive like Jesus forgives, then that's what we got to do. So even even when they don't deserve it, what do we do? We forgive first. Even when they're the ones who cause the conflict, what do we do? We forgive first. And when you forgive first, here's the promise for y'all. James 3.18, and those who are peacemakers, those who forgive first, will plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of righteousness. And this word righteousness is kind of a churchy word. So let me explain it to you. This is when you become who you really are. You think like God thinks. You act like God acts. And you're fully living the abundant life that God planned for you. That is a harvest of righteousness. So what this verse is saying is that when you forgive first, when you're the one who initiates peace, you're going to find yourself living in the promises of God. That's so good. 
So what I'm going to ask you to do next is to t- we'll take this message from today from a really good idea. Wow, okay, that's a really good idea. Let's bring it down into our lives and make it real. So you've been moved by the word of God, I believe, today, and you're ready to forgive somebody that maybe you've been holding a grudge against for a long time. So I want you to pull out a piece of paper. You can write this on the back of your message notes. And I want you to write that name down on your paper. Or if there's a list, go ahead and just write them all down. That's okay. Write them all down. If it's an organization, write that down. If it's a church that hurts you, write the church name down. Write all these things down. I'm just going to give you a minute to do that right now. And now for the most exciting part. I want you to take this list home this afternoon and I want you to call every person on that list. You like that? And it doesn't have to be a long conversation. You can just call and say something like, you know, I was wrong in holding a grudge against you. I'm sorry that I did that. I want you to know that I love you and I'm not holding anything against you. And then there's going to be this long pause, awkward silence. They're not going to know what to say. And you can just go ahead and interrupt that silence and get off the phone real quick. Just be like, just want to let you know that. Thanks for listening. I'll talk to you later. Click. That's all you got to do. It's that simple. And I know it's going to be hard. And you might be upset with me right now for asking you to do that. So you can just start with me. Go ahead and write my name down on that list. And come on up here after service and you can have that conversation with me. But take this bold and courageous step and make the call this afternoon because I know what's going to happen. This wave of peace is just going to wash over you and you're going to be wondering how you ever lived without it. Why, did, why was I holding that? How did I think it would benefit me to hold on to that unforgiveness? It's going to be beautiful. And I, I imagine you probably end up bawling actually. You'll have to get off the phone because you'd be crying. You're just going to have to cry for a while. You really feel so good to be free. So just do it. Because that unforgiveness might just be what's keeping you from seeing a miracle of God in your life. Might just be keeping you from healing the other people. I mean, we all want to pray for people and see them well. But then we put up these blocks, these, these roadblocks in the way through unforgiveness and doubt and all that stuff. But if we get rid of all that, then we can go out and make the difference that God wants us to make. All right, let's pray. Lord, we love you. <laughs> We thank you for your truth. We thank you for your word. We exalt your word, just like you do. Your word is truth. Your word is life. Your word is alive. It's powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It hurts us sometimes, but only to heal us later. We receive your forgiveness today. Lord, I ask you to give them the same revelation that you gave me about your forgiveness. I remember a few years ago when I was walking on my trail where all my conversations with God seemed to happen. And I finally understood his forgiveness. Like, I've been holding on to my past for a long time. There's a lot of things that I did wrong, and I was just holding on to it. I didn't even realize I was holding on to it. And I was just kind of wondering, like, why is my relationship with God not progressing? Why do I still have problems with this thing from my past? Like, how do I get freedom from this? And it was from understanding his forgiveness. Like, that was the thing that I was missing. And it's just like he dropped the truth on me one day. And I was just like, I get it. 
you don't want me to live in regret. I don't have to pay for that. And I'm not paying for it by living in regret. I mean, there's, there's something in my mind that just made me think that I have to regret what I did in order to make this right with God. He's like, no regret. Get rid of it. No regret. So we receive your forgiveness, God. And I ask that you give everybody in this room that revelation so that we can walk free and that we can freely forgive others. And we thank you for this. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. If you receive that forgiveness, like for the first time and you're giving your life to Jesus today, we celebrate with you and heaven celebrates. They throw a party every time somebody gives their heart to Jesus. And they throw a party too, whenever you finally receive the forgiveness that's been there for you all this time. If you've just given your life to Jesus, so there's a journey that's ahead and we want to walk with you through that journey, but we can't walk with you if we don't know. So we set up an easy way for you to tell us. You simply text the word Jesus to 918-373-9883. We'll text you back and we'll help walk you through that process. It'll be a good time. We're happy to do it. Now, before we leave today, I want to give you an opportunity to extend your faith through giving. No Limits Church is a great place for you to plant your financial seed and watch it grow into a harvest. Your generosity is what enables us to spread the gospel here at church every Sunday and then all around the world in Mexico, the Philippines, and everything we're involved with. So your generosity, you guys know this, it makes a difference. And we're so thankful that you're so faithful to be generous. So if you want to give by cash or check today, just raise your hand and one of our ushers will give you an offering envelope. Most people give online with their debit or credit card, and you can do that anytime by typing in nolimits.fyi into your address bar. Thank you so much for joining us. And a special thanks to those that give in to our ministry. It's because of your generous giving that we're able to lead people to Jesus and make a difference all around the world. If you're ready to give, head to your browser and type nolimits.fyi into the address bar. And if you were encouraged by this podcast, then hit that share button and pass it on so that others can be encouraged as well. Or you can even take a screenshot and share it on your social stories. Thanks again for listening. Now let's go make a difference.